Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Darian Michael, who's the co-founder and CEO of Qualify. Darian, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's nice to, to meet you and to be here. Tell us about Qualify. Give us a pitch. Yeah, so Qualify is a platform for recruiters. We're just helping to make sure that their workflow is fast and efficient so that way they can get to candidates faster and streamline their hiring processes. Uh, Right now, our first product is focused on the phone screen. The phone screen is a really slow step in the process, and we're helping them to automate that recording software. Make that a little more tangible for me. If I'm a recruiter, what does my user experience look like? Yeah, so as a recruiter, you can record the questions that you would typically ask a candidate and you can structure those individual questions into interviews and then send those to candidates. The candidates can take action on that by clicking a couple links and then they'll be in a phone interview. So our system will dial their phone directly and then they'll hear those questions and they can respond to them sort of like leaving leaving a voicemail. So yeah. Right on. So today it's phone screening. Where do you where do you see, and we can save this one for later if this is going to go like way open season, but, yeah. um, but where do you see it going in the future? What are some of the other modules you think you'll be adding? Yeah. So right now we're actually uh, considering kind of what our next steps look like from the phone screening process. Um, we don't want to compete in the ATS space, um, but That's we why think, I ask, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, the, like I said, the ATS space is pretty crowded and um, there's a lot of frustrations for recruiters with that. In the off chance that somebody listening doesn't know what ATS stands for. Yeah, applicant tracking system. So it's usually the main system that um, recruiters will have. If they don't have any other software tools, they typically have at least an ATS or a job board that they, they post to. Um, and so, like I said, that, that space is pretty crowded. And it's hard to compete in. There's a lot of noise there. But something that we are thinking about is just helping them to manage all the tasks. So recruiters, a lot of their job boils down to just individual tasks, whether that be, you know, messaging candidates, following up with them, scheduling interviews, conducting phone screens. There's a lot of individual tasks that make up um, a recruiter's job. And all those added together equals the total time to hire. Typically, if we can help them to stay on top of those tasks and do it in a systematic way. We think we can help people to, um, one, just be more efficient in their job, and then to improve their hiring experience, therefore winning better candidates and doing so faster. So that's kind of, it's not a specific product yet, but that's kind of the area that we're thinking about right now. And then do you integrate with applicant tracking systems or other HRIS platforms? Not at the moment. So right now, our phone screening application is a standalone product. We do have intentions of integrating in the future, mainly just to make sure that that workflow is kind of all happening in one place. And so that the data, you know, lives in one place and can be transferred back and forth easily to the different systems. But as it stands right now, it's a standalone product. Yeah. And can I, am I allowed to ask you uh, what current pricing looks like for the product? Yeah, um, we, we haven't posted public pricing. Which means you don't have to here either yeah, yeah, yeah. if you don't want to, but no, no, uh, yeah. like in terms of like maybe how it's structured or something like that, yeah. totally up to you, whatever you want to share. No, what I'll say is that it's a SaaS model. So we do charge subscriptions uh, monthly and annual, and it's based primarily on the volume that you'll see through the platform. So typically um, recruiters or the employers know how many people they're um, engaging with on a monthly or yearly basis. And so their pricing will fall based on you know what their anticipated volume through our platform will look like. 
And who's a, like your slam dunk, this is a perfect client for us uh, in terms of like maybe market size, number of employees, like what, however you guys think of the perfect client, what does that look yeah. like? Yeah, it has been interesting because um, my background comes from more of the tech industry and, and me, you know, experiencing the pain point of interviewing a lot of candidates. And so when we first started, I just thought, hey, anybody that hires people can use this product. But as we've continued to talk with our clients and just potential prospects, um, we're gearing more so now towards what we call like high volume hiring that can look like a single recruiter trying to hire 100 people in a given year or something like that. The industry is not necessarily agnostic, but it tends to fall into roles that just lend themselves to high turnover. So if you think about logistics, warehouse, um, retail, some of those that kind of gets your mind working in that space in terms of high turnover types of roles, then that's kind of an area that we live in and then also just high growth. So it could look like tech companies, but companies that are expanding pretty rapidly, they have a lot of hiring demands and therefore it's just a lot for an individual or even a team of recruiters to, to manage. So you're going to go land Amazon's HQ too? That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we could handle that, that right now, <laughs> but um, that, that could be pretty cool. <laughs> right on. Uh, all right. So uh, thank you for that. I think I got to, pretty good idea of the the product. Current status, paint a picture for somebody who's listening. Any vanity metrics you can share can be number of interviews you guys have done on the platform, can be funds raised, revenue, like at the size of the team, yeah. anything to help somebody who's listening understand where you're at on the journey. Yeah, yeah. So we're still pretty early, less than a year old right now. Um, we have a team of four co-founders. We're actively raising right now. We have a handful of, of clients, both paid and free. And I think a cool stat that we have is we're nearing a thousand candidates through the platform. And then another cool stat behind that is that the typical phone screening interview process for recruiters, statistically, it takes about a week. If you think about first reaching out to that candidate, trying to get time on the calendar and then actually conducting those 30 to 40 minute phone interviews that can take up to a week and just a lot of work in between. And so far, we have proven that we can get response times of less than a day. So on average, most responses come in in less than a day. So these recruiters are really able to get the information that they need back from candidates um, and, and then from there, move them on to the next steps in the hiring process from there. So, yeah. I know you're in early stage company mode, so you're allowed to say like, I'm crazy and these are great ideas, but they're, we're not there yet. But, but like, I'm super interested that based on what you just said about that, the length of that process and that in the volume that a recruiter might go through, it, it occurred to me that some of the things you can do with recorded voice, which is what you're doing versus yeah. like me calling you on the phone and actually having to talk with you. Like I listen to my podcast at 1.5 X speed. Can I do that? With these? Yeah. So that's a feature that we have available right now. So you can change the speed variations. We're actually getting ready to push the ability to have the audio transcribed into text. So you can. That's going to be my next one. Yeah. Yeah. So you can. you can Because uh, I can read a lot faster. Read than you a can lot probably faster. Talk. Yep. Yep. And then the natural implications from there is that we'll start to do some really cool, um, fun things with all the buzzwords, machine learning, uh, okay. natural language processing. But right now, our main focus is just on helping the first value proposition, which is helping the recruiter move, you know, faster, save that a lot of the administrative work, but we're really excited about the, the potential of what the technology can do. From Very there. cool. You said four co-founders, four is a, not a common number for the number of co-founders. And I, you've obviously probably never worked in a, in a 
in a different group of like a different number of co-founders, but I, I'm, I'm super interested. How is that working out for co-founders? What are some of the, which you don't have to answer any questions that are going to upset your co-founders, but I, I'm super interested in like how that is working for you guys in terms of, you know, team dynamic, who does what and what that looks like. And full disclosure, you know, developer town, one of my first companies, like we, we had five co-founders, so yeah. it's even a little more crazy, but yeah. Now I've been a part of, so before starting Qualify, I was with Fire Launch, which had two original co-founders. And then I kind of assumed a similar role with them as one of the co-founders to kind of a backseat at that time. Um, And so I've been part of that dynamic. And then starting this company now, my vision and just the way that I am as a person has always been more of a one visionary and then also a collaborator. So I know that I can't do a lot of things myself. And so I'd rather just find people that have strong suits in different areas to do that. And so I really get a lot of joy and fulfillment out of just working in teams. I think our team is working really well. The only downside right now is that we're not all able to be full time like I would wish, which is why we're actively fundraising. But I'm really happy with you know our dynamic. The, me and my brother are the original kind of Co- the original co-founders, the, vi- the original visionaries behind the product. Um, and so one, it's really cool to get to work alongside him every single day um, and just bounce ideas back and forth. And then the other two guys, it's really fun to see how they've kind of gelled with us and how we all kind of bring our own mix to the table, getting them fully up to speed and just seeing how one, it's a, it went from us saying, hey, can we, you know, build these things to them also contributing some really amazing ideas to the platform as well. I think that's been a cool transition for us. Are you the older brother, younger brother? I am the older brother, but everyone thinks that he he looks a little bit older than me. So we get that a lot. Brody uh, at uh, Fuse Me, which is two-ish episodes, two or three episodes ago, uh, also works with his brother. They're they're in Fuse Me together. Yeah, I've heard. I know some people have... uh, I guess some people are against like the idea of working with family. I but. definitely could not work with my brother. Yeah. It, would not, it would not end well. I could totally work with my sister though. So no, yeah. We're, we're no, I think it's, I think it's really fun because he, uh, he's one of the only people that will just outright, you know, call me on, you know, things. And I definitely need that. And we have a good dynamic in terms of, you know, the closest never rubs each other too wrong, you know? Yeah. So, so it's been fun so far. Talk to me about the competitive landscape. When you think of competitors for Qualify, who or what comes to mind? Yeah, so we have, there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of view the competitive landscape. There's people that are kind of directly in our space offering something in like kind of the telephone interview space. And then there's also uh, videos pretty prevalent when it comes to screening. So there's different ways that I could talk about each and we can drill down into those. I think the biggest competitor, honestly, though, is just the recruiter themselves. There's a little bit of an education that one that we're, that we're trying to help with. And then two, just people are used to doing things a certain way. And so overcoming that as a hurdle has been more of a compet like a more of a competition for us than any of our, you know, actual company competitors, if that makes sense. From a sales perspective, our customers, or prospects, maybe better way to say, are they coming to you through your website and marketing efforts? Or are, is it more primarily you guys reaching out to them from a B2B sales model and, and trying to bring them on board? Yeah. So right now we haven't done any marketing. We haven't put any of our budgeting and resources towards that yet. Um, I do think long-term that's gonna, that's how we're going to win. Part of the reason I started Qualify was um, when I was doing hiring, I was like, hey, I've 
I wanted something like what what we offer today, and I couldn't find it. Um, it was it was only after I, I had gotten pretty deep into thinking about building this product that I finally discovered you know the couple of competitors that we do have. So. So one, uh, right now, it's kind of like we have uh, first movers advantage in a lot of ways because a lot of customers haven't even heard of this concept. But yeah, right now, we're mainly doing the outreach ourselves. So a lot of it is cold or just through our network getting introduced to people that it makes sense to. Um, and so, so yeah. So I think you touched on the next question I was going to ask, which is when you reach out to somebody, are you selling against another solution? Like, are they are they looking at a bunch of like... We're, we're considering this video platform or this text platform or, you know, or is it they're not doing anything today? And so you're just trying to educate them on what's possible. Yeah, it's more the latter. Okay. Um, sometimes they do. Sometimes they may counter with, yeah, we already have something for like texting and that's what we use for screening. Um, and so I do think in terms of the budget space, um, we are competing with other tools. But from I think the biggest competition, like I said, has been just overcoming their potential hesitancies with something that's either automated or yeah, where it's not them actively doing every every aspect of the phone interview. How have you found that education cycle to be? So when, so when, when you come up against somebody who's even understanding what's possible in terms of streamlining this process, how do you walk them through or what's the process that you walk them through to get them to understand, you know, where you fit, what the advantage could be? Is it, is it, just a phone call, maybe a demo, or is it? Is there a different process that you take them down? Yeah, I think one of the biggest areas is that they may not realize the problem themselves. So they're, like I said, they're just used to, you know, this is part of my job. I do phone interviews. It takes up a lot of time, but this is, this is part of my job. And so what I try to help them understand is that your job truly is to find and hire the best candidate is not necessarily all of this task work. And so if we can help educate them that one, this, this one task alone is putting you further away from finding your most ideal candidate because the best candidates, they're moving fast. They're going to be hired faster than the others. And if you're trying to land those ones, then you have to move just as fast, if not faster than them or your, you know, employers, competitors. That's the main thing. Just trying to educate them that, the phone interview alone is the longest step in the process. If we can help alleviate that or eliminate it altogether, then we're going to put you a step further. The usual hesitancy is that they want to still have a human touch. They want to be able to ask follow-up questions. And the way that we educate around that is that our job, our, our goal is not necessarily to eliminate your job. It's just to enhance it. If we can just help you get that critical information back, you can still have those follow-up conversations. You can bring that person in for a second round interview or pass them along to other people in your team that much faster, get feedback, things of that nature. So just helping them understand the problem and the other benefits that come with using an application like ours is kind of the main way that we do that. This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. Partly because I'm struggling with this in some of my own 
SaaS companies keep going on that sales cycle. You do that. So you do that education. You're, you get them on board with, with the idea that this is a problem that you can actually help, help them solve. You have some preliminary pricing discussions. What percentage are then like, yeah, let's do it. And they're ready to sign the, the contract and go versus what percentage are you moving in? What's the next step of your process? Are you then moving them into a beta? Are you moving them into some sort of, or I shouldn't say beta pilot is probably more accurate. Is it a pilot process with some specific outcomes that you're looking for? I'd, I'd love like, how do you guys architect that experience to maximize conversion? Honestly, we haven't fully figured that part out yet. Dang um, it. I know. You're supposed to teach me here. <laughs> we've, um, we've tried a lot of different things. So some, from like kind of the, when we had an MVP, like, and yeah. I, I would say we're, we're not 100% like fully launched. Like you couldn't go sign up on our website right now and just start using it immediately. The future that we foresee is just having that ability for like self-serve um, right now. I think the product still needs like education and like implementation to get people fully up and running. Yeah. F- like I said, from the time we had an MVP, we, you know, start off with saying like, Hey, like you can use this for free. Like we just want to get your feedback and we kind of transition that into like free trials for people. The tough part is that recruiters have their own process. And so if you just say like, Hey, here's this free thing, it, doesn't necessarily drive them to start using it because they still have their existing process. They have to set aside time to, you know, actually get this new thing. Change is hard, man. And so one, we have switched to making it be paid up front. So that way there's a little bit of incentive. Um, You have to really want to use it and then have some incentive behind the fact that you've paid now that you're like, all right, I need to put this to use and put it to work. And then also an implementation to at least get their like first interview set up. Um, That has helped a little bit in terms of the adoption. That first one a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So like I sit, sit next to people and, you know, help them record and like show them, this is how you do it. This is how simple it is to use it and then get them off and running from, from that standpoint. Um, but it is tough because I'm used to a lot of self-serve tools where you can just sign up and start using, and that's the vision I see. Um, but it takes a little bit to get yeah, there. I can totally see it. We, um, so I interviewed, uh, Frank Dale from Costello like a year ago. It was like forever ago. Frank, Frank's interview. It's the, fir- it's the only time I turned off the microphone so far. I'm sure it'll happen again. Maybe it'll happen <laughs> today. It's the only time I turned off the microphone and I, and I was like, dude, I'm buying your software. <laughs> like, like, where do I sign up? Like the sound, like the sounds amazing. And I, and, and Frank and his team are amazing. So I was like, all right, like I'm in, you sold me, like, let's do this. You know, what, what's really interesting is it, like that, that software, which is great software and we use it every day. Like it had that same cold start problem of like, it's just so much work to, it, so it's sales enablement software, right? So, which maybe is not the way they would classify it, but, but it, it helps you sell, right? So, right. so it's all about like, What's the script you're walking a prospect down and how do you put in, like, you know, how do you, if they ask a question about how you compare to a competitor or what's the key value props or what, you know, all these things, the problem with that first user experience is like, you actually have to put in all that data, right? Like you have to put in the script and you have to put in all the objections and you have to put in all the, you know, the pricing information. Like, so the first time you sit down to use it, you're just kind of like, yeah. No, we've definitely talked about that. This yeah. the empty state, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And so one of the things that we, that's part of our platform now, just not to the degree that we want it is just like when someone first signs up, we walk them through like how to record and like actually have them record at least a, like at least one question in their intro, uh, things of that nature. But we've talked about different things like 
when they log in, there's already a, a slate of questions that have been recorded with a great voice for them. Oh, nice. So like a templated interview. Yeah, yeah. So we've, we've talked about different things. We just haven't quite figured out what our customers want and need there, whether they want it to be their voice, whether they want to, you know, have, you know, voice talent, you know, record these questions for them. Um, and so we, we have it in mind. It's just, just not um, fully baked out yet. That's interesting. I like, I like that, particularly the idea of voice talent that I can imagine for a number of people, just the idea that it's got to be, it's got to be professionally produced, right? Like that maybe you could email your questions off to somebody and then the next day you show up and there's MP3 files in there, right? Like, yeah, yeah, super interesting. Uh, Do you have any, uh, the next, so on that kind of theme of customer success, do you have anybody who, and I, my assumption is if you had it today, it would be a human and someday you would automate it. But do you have anybody who's like looking, okay, we, we aren't, we, we brought Michael on board two weeks ago. You know, you sat down with me and, and helped me do my first couple of phone calls. But then like, do you have anybody who logs in and looks at, okay, have I sent any, have, have I done any, you know, voice messages or recordings with, with candidates? Have I, have I run 50 candidates through over the last two weeks or have I run just when you were in the room with me, like who logs in after the fact and and then checks on like, yes, the customers are making the progress we would expect, we would reasonably expect yeah. to see and they're engaged and they're using it. And if they're not, we should intervene and check back in and Hey, Hey, what do we need? We notice you're not using it. How do we help you move forward? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not as, not as a uh, regimented as you laid it out there, but that is something that we do that that load is kind of shared between Dev and my brother and myself, the customer. So we kind of both do the sales and the yep. customer support and customer success. And that is something that we can kind of easily see at this point with just having a handful of customers. Um, and we're working really closely to see like what it is that they like, don't like about the product, why they have used it, why they haven't used it. And we've definitely had both. Like we've had really heavy users and then we've had some paid users that sign up and don't immediately put it to use. They, you know, want to wait for a specific time period to like get it all set up. What strategies have you found useful to move them off of the starting line to, to get them yeah. to engage? I think the biggest one has been like, we're like actually handholding them through the okay. process for now. We'll come in there. We'll help you do it. It'll be great. Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest one. But one, you can't necessarily scale that. And I have found it a little bit awkward. We're talking on a microphone right now, and it's a little bit uh, nerve wracking. And sometimes <laughs> it's a little bit nerve wracking for. What do you mean? You haven't done this a hundred times like me. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit nerve wracking to have someone sit next to you and watch you record yeah. questions. And so I do think everyone's voice sounds way better than mine. So it is fun to hear people, uh, hear people record those questions, but sometimes they may not think it's as fun. And so I think there is maybe some better ways that we can help them get started and get them out the gate and running faster. I also do think it comes down a little bit to, to like the ideal customer profile. If we've identified a, a, a candidate or a prospect that, they desperately need this, then I think that they're going to be more prone to immediately start using it. So, yeah. You, you may not have a feel for this, but what do you, I'd be interested in your thoughts and I'll bring this back to the, the current conversation. What do you think lifetime value looks like for a customer? Maybe not in terms of dollar amount, but like just how long do you think you keep a customer? If you land somebody today, are they with you for a year, two years, five years? Like, what do you think that realistically looks like for this business? Again, one, I do think it comes down to 
the specifically the right type of client. So for instance, if we were to land just a fast growing tech company, they kind of they could potentially ebb and flow. That could level of, off, yeah. Right. They like they may get to a plateau and just level off. But some companies are just naturally turning over employees really fast or just on a consistent basis. Um, and we haven't proven this out yet with, with st- statistics, but my thought is once you go from doing everything manual to having an automated process, you don't want to rip that out and then go back to manual. Um, and so I do think we'll have a long lifetime or a long lifetime with customers once we get in and fully implemented. And then from there, the challenge would be not necessarily uh, ripping out and going back to zero in terms of how the customers view it, but maybe competing with uh, competing products for the same type of process. How many of your customers today have multiple recruiters versus you're just primarily working with one recruiter? Yeah, I think it's through all of our clients, it's a little bit of a mix. We tend to talk with, um, and this has been a learning process ourselves, just we tend to engage with the recruiter first and then uh, end up talking with or working with the HR director or like the talent acquisition director to, to you know, kind of finalize the decision making. But each of our clients, uh, I think, and this isn't necessarily a recruit, like we have an organization that is not necessarily made up of recruiters, but people that are screening applicants. And that's like a team, I think of like 20 people, 20 users that are using the system to screen, you know, hundreds of candidates down. And then we also have, you know, single recruiter companies. We're jumping into the 20 recruiter (laughs) company. So, so in that company, when you onboard them and you think about like, how do I move them off the blank page? Right. Like how, how do I, how do I get them all engaged and successful and moving forward? what's been your experience there versus where, cause there is a little bit of a like, Hey, this was a top down decision. You're all doing this. Now there's peer pressure. You don't want to be the one person out of 20, not doing it versus if it's just like, well, it's me, I'm the recruiter. I can choose to do this or not do this. It's kind of all, it's kind of all on me. Have you noticed that pattern? Like, is that true? Is it easier when you get into a bigger, bigger organization, meaning like the number of people doing the recruiting? I think this one, I I do think that it will probably carry out um, as we work with more. Um, This specific one, I think it worked well because of that. It was a uh, corporate decision, if you will. Um, So like the leader said, hey, like this is, this is going to be our process this year. And yeah, what I did in this case was I recorded a bunch of videos of me using and explaining how to use this product and sent it to my main contact. And then she implemented that process uh, within her team. And so got to watch all, all those people sign up and they've been our heaviest user so far. And so it's been really cool to just see, see volume through the platform and just see how people are interacting with it. It doesn't come without, you know, it's hiccups and things of that nature, but that helps us fix, you know, fix potential issues down the road. So yeah, it's been great. Before I switch gears, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you um, related to that thread of conversation. Is there, this is kind of related to lifetime value. And if you had a, like a tech company that might kind of hit these plateaus and then be good for a bit, but then maybe hit another hiring spurt. Do you envision a pay-as-you-go model at some point where, you know, maybe there's there's like SaaS pricing for your everyday user, but then a tech company might be able to come in and just be like, look, we're going to pay a higher per transaction cost, but but we're happy to just use it some months and not use it other months. Yeah. I don't know, honestly. Um, I'm open to a lot of different pricing models because we've talked about the pay-as-you-go. We've talked about, you know, per seat licensing, you know, just various tiers based on features as opposed to like volume. 
I'm really open to it. The reason that we've gone with this pricing model um, is because one, I don't want people to necessarily count how many uh, count, you know, always be thinking because I, well, this candidate, I don't want to spend this money on, but this candidate, I'm totally down. With. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So if, if the goal for them is to just not have to think about it and just send to as many people as, you know, makes sense. Um, that way they're getting the most value out of the platform. Cause then I think, it creates this potential barrier to where they'll use it less um, if they have to be always conscious of every single, you know, phone screen equals, you know, X amount of dollars. Then I think they'll, they'll be a little bit against that. But some people, like you said, might enjoy a pay as you go. And I've even recently talked about, you know, maybe we charge based on time as opposed to, you know, individual uh, like time in terms of how many minutes for calls and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, pricing is always really tough. Oh, yeah. Dude, we're, there's no, yeah, we're continuing you're gonna, to, there's no right answer. You'll have it wrong no matter what your pricing exactly. model is. Yeah, don't worry about that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, forecast, look out in the future, three to five years, uh, when you look at kind of competitors and other adjacent systems that, that you would potentially integrate with from, a, from an overall market perspective, what do you see as the trends in the market today that, that you think you're probably going to have to ride and, and or um, trends in what competitors might be doing that, that then make you think from a product roadmap perspective, we should be doing X. Yeah. So like what are maybe some of those trends and then what, what do you think that means in terms of product for you? Um, yeah, so I think there's a few different ways to break that down. I would say one specifically for the phone screening application, I'm really convinced that they're one hasn't been a well-defined uh, dominating leader for our space, um, which brings conviction to me that we can be that um, for the industry. And um, like I said, right now, a lot of, I would say close to 100% of the recruiters that we've talked to engage with have never even heard of the concept of phone screening people in this fashion. And so that that gives me encouragement that, you know, we can move first and a lot of, for a lot of recruiters and, and, and win that space. Um, but long-term, our goal isn't necessarily just to help people screen faster. It's to um, really create a, a winning experience for uh, not only the recruiter. Uh, we have a soft spot for recruiters because I've been one myself and I know that it, it's a often overlooked job or overlooked function. Um, and so we want to help people in the HR and the recruiting space and provide value for them because a lot of times they're trying to compete for resources internally. So we want to give them access to a lot of the tools that will help them be more efficient at their job. Um, and then for candidates, likewise, we, we want to make that experience really painless. Right now, a lot of people apply for jobs, never hear back, even up to like interviews and even right before offers, they, they may not hear back. And so there's a lot of uh, dead spots that happen throughout the hiring process. And we really think that we can, like I said, systematize the process and make it a really pleasant experience. If you think about a lot of shopping experience, consumer experiences, they've been really well thought out, but less so on the recruiting and the hiring side. And so that's kind of our, our long-term vision is to make a really great seamless process and help people move more efficiently. What are some of the possible innovations that so you, earlier you mentioned the the buzzwords right machine learning and stuff like all you know all the cool all, what all the cool kids are doing yeah yeah when your head goes down that track again a, go go a couple of years in the future right yeah. so you're like ridiculously successful you have yeah. all the customers <laughs> all the revenue so you're not worried about you know getting through the week where do you see like the 
the predominant value coming out of that data in terms of either what you're able to do with that back to the to, to, to the individual customer to help them with better decision making or um, what you can leverage from a platform perspective to enhance, you know, features, prompting, you know, whatever that yeah, might yeah. be to create an overall better user experience. Yeah, yeah. I'll stay again. I'll stay in the, like the phone screening space because that's the most, uh, I guess, tangible at the moment. Kind of the the few areas that we're thinking down the path on is one right now, it's kind of this on-demand uh, interviews, what we refer to it as on-demand phone interviewing. So where it's, like I said, it's more like responding to uh, recorded prompts, but also we can kind of uh, translate that experience to where if recruiters don't want to administer on-demand phone interviews, they can still conduct live phone interviews and we can still help them throughout that process, maybe transcribe things, um, record the information as it's happening. So that gives us other data points as well. Um, And then this may be more of what you're asking. I think the most, the easiest way to... And I don't know if you're able to like share links on the the show notes or anything, but uh, <laughs> but Google has this really cool video where you as a consumer can use your Google Assistant to make live calls to real people, conduct things on your behalf, like book appointments, uh, schedule meetings, and it sounds like a real a real human, it, and it interacts like a real human, but it's a essentially a robot on the other other end of the line. That may be scary to a lot of people. So I definitely pause and hesitate at saying that. But I think right now we're focused on helping the recruiter alleviate that that administrative work, that scheduling work. But I think that there's a future we can where we can empower the recruiter and the employer to not have to do any of that upfront screening at all to where our system will be able to conduct these interviews live and help the recruiter identify the best people to move forward in the process without them ever having to do that work to begin with. Like I said, I understand the the initial fears that that may bring, which is why we're not focused on it right now. I think there's a lot of challenges to get there, but but that is definitely a possibility in the future. In the recruiting space, there's you know there's a lot of literature and findings around discrimination and what that all the various forms that that can take, and intentionally or un- mostly unintentionally, we would hope. What are your thoughts, if if any? on how Qualify plays into that, either positively or unknown, uh, in terms of, do you think there's anything in the way that, that you, your process runs or the, the way that companies that are engaging in your process are running their recruiting programs that, that make your outcomes more favorable from a yeah. discrimination perspective, which is really awkwardly phrased, yeah. which meaning there's less discrimination. I'd love your thoughts on that, which I don't know if you've given that much thought or not, but yeah. to me is super interesting when you start to think about when what led me down this path is what you just said about like, are there ways that we can automate this process, remove my words, not yours, remove some of the human element. And you're necessarily removing, maybe you're removing discrimination there, or maybe you're automating discrimination. I don't know. Right. Like that's the scary part. So I'd love your thoughts on uh, if any around what that, how you think that plays out. Yeah. And that's the, the, the fears that, that I mentioned was mainly that the, I think there's a lot of examples of AI being really biased. And one, I don't have the answer in terms of how to do that from a like data science standpoint. But what I will say for like, right now, what we're doing, um, I think we're helping to eliminate some aspects of bias. If you definitely, if you compare it to like video interviewing, things of that nature, we're removing 
that layer of the, the visual component. So right now you're just focused on what people are saying, the responses that they have for you and um, evaluating them on that basis. And then I would agree like with, with what you were saying before too. And that is something that we kind of do a little bit of education on is that the human touch is great in the hiring process. It's great from like a, that, that, that engagement standpoint, but humans are flawed and it can also lead to um, some of the things that you don't want, like uh, discrimination and, and biases in the interviewing process. And so um, that's where I think the good side of technology can come through, but the challenge is that it also can come with some of the negative components. If you have humans building the technology in the first place, then, um, then I think that that can lead to some issues as well. So I don't have all the answers on that, but I do think that is something that we definitely have a strong care about being a minority founder myself. My team is mostly comprised of, uh, of ethnic minorities. And so that is something that we kind of stand on in terms of wanting to make a difference in locally in terms of our like tech ecosystem, but also in the hiring practices of the companies that we work with. So, yeah. It's a good answer. You should yeah. be happy with that. <laughs> All right. If folks want to learn more about Qualify, where do they do that? Yeah. You can go to our website. It's qualify.hr. That's Q-U-A-L-I-F-I.hr. Um, and you can find us on LinkedIn. It's our primary uh, social media channel as well. That makes sense. Yeah. I rolled my eyes a little bit, uh, which none of the listeners saw, but you did. That, but that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Well, LinkedIn. Or, yeah, yeah. LinkedIn yeah, is yeah. the primary channel, but make totally Yeah, we, we do plan on having a presence in, in, other, uh, in other channels as well, but right now, yeah. Don't let me influence you, man. That's exactly, <laughs> no, we want to. We exactly want to. where you need to be. I told you I want to have a podcast. I want to do all the things, but uh, right now we kind of have to maximize our efforts. Well, in a few what would the places. podcast be about if you're going to do a podcast? I have no idea. I have varying interests. Some of it would just be, you know, strictly related to like kind of the recruiting yeah. side of it. Yeah. But on like a personal note, I've, I've, I have a variety of other interests that not even business related, just me talking about different things. I love hip hop music and uh, rap. And so I would love to like talk more about, you know, some of my favorite artists and specific lyrics that they say. And yeah, I have a number of different ideas, but yeah, not enough time to effectively, or I guess I haven't set aside enough time to effectively um, execute on them. Before this goes live, you'll have like anywhere from seven to 14 days. So if you get a podcast spun up in the next 14 days, we can put it in the show notes. For sure. If uh, people want to get a hold of you directly to ask uh, follow-up questions or to, to learn more, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, I would say LinkedIn is a, another good place to start. Um, you can also, I'll, I'll open up my email. Uh, is that a good idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Lots <laughs> yeah. of people do that. You're good. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'd say uh, getting all This is me. not the Tim Ferriss podcast. You're not going <laughs> to yeah, get like a million. Yeah, yeah, you've not like, like all five people listening to this will email you. Perfect. Yeah, awesome. You're, you're good, man. Well, if this resonates with you, then yeah, hit me up. It's uh, Darian at, like I said, the website name. So D-A-R-R-I-A-N at Q-U-A-L-I-F-I dot H-R. Right on. Awesome. Darian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.